Hi there. Oh, how wonderful, masterful living. <laughs> oh, I do enjoy so much the work that we're doing together, the spiritual work play. And uh, let us dive into a prayer right now. So we begin by taking that breath of love and gratitude. I place my hand on my heart and I recognize the perfection, the wholeness. So grateful. So grateful to be the two or more who are gathered. So grateful to open our hearts, our minds, our life to the love divine leading us and guiding us in each and every moment. We're grateful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self. Grateful to recognize I am that I am. And we are one with the I am presence of every being everywhere. So grateful to allow our mind to finally be free. We're surrendering all sense of lack and limitation, all sense of separation. We're celebrating the union, the unity of all life. So grateful that there is only the one mind, no separation, only perfection. So grateful to surrender all false beliefs. We join together for this holy purpose. What I know is that our time together is deeply healing, restorative, and nourishing. It is expansive and clarifying. We celebrate our time together as a time of activation for our miraculous life. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we allow our healing to be. We get out of the way and we allow the healing to be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm excited for our class tonight. We have a, it's my night. Uh, I'm in Maine now. I'm at my, my parents' home in uh, Deer Isle, Maine, off the coast of Maine. So I went from an island in the middle of the Pacific to an island off the coast of Maine. I just love the island life. I lived 10 years on the island of Manhattan. Uh, I was a teenager and grew up in Rhode Island, which is not an island. <laughs> I just, I really love uh, islands. And... Uh, so I'm I'm excited. We're doing the one-on-one -on -one appointments, and um, I uh, I've got a little uh, conflict. I realized, and so I'm going to have to reschedule a few people, um, and uh, I'm going to open up some more time. Uh, it's interesting. Sometimes. Uh, it seems like a lot of people are eager to make appointments, which makes me very happy. <clears throat> and it also fills up my calendar. So uh, it will be spread out over a number of weeks, and I look forward to that. And 
it's it's so happy making to me to be able to have the one-on-one time with you, especially uh, well, not especially, but it's a it's a wonderful thing to get to know you and to go on this journey with you, and I feel privileged to be able to do that. And thank you, thank you. And these appointments are totally optional, so if you don't wish to make one, that's completely fine. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to ask any questions that you have, and uh, for me, it's an opportunity to get to know you. Um, I also want to would like to let you know that from now forward in the year, our classes are going to start to end more at the 75-minute mark. So the first few months, it's uh, there's so much that I'd like to share with you as quickly as I can so we have longer classes uh, than what is going to be normal for most of the year. And so uh, just letting you know that. It, it shifts and changes throughout the year, and uh, so it's important. Some people, I notice that there are, um, there's a tendency for people to raise their hand or ask a question five minutes before the class is ending or in just the last few minutes. So please, if you do have a question, please bring it up much earlier uh, or uh, jump in and uh, early on in the next class. So, uh, yeah, it just makes it easier for for the management of the class. And so today, since we start trust and faith next week, uh, my goal for today is to answer questions and address things that uh, haven't been brought up so uh, that you'd like to bring up that might be a little bit off topic when we were talking about relationship or off topic when we're talking about trust and faith. And I've got a few things to share uh, based on uh, what's come up in the community calls lately. And uh, I'd like to say that I just love your community calls. I listen to every single one of them. And uh, the last couple have just been really beautiful. The community is strengthening. You're feeling more and more open and comfortable with each other. And it's such a journey that takes place in the community calls. It's very gratifying for me as a teacher. And for those of you who aspire to be teachers or are teachers, uh, you you uh, you can imagine how thrilling it is for me to participate in your living a miraculous life and setting yourself free. And sometimes people tell me that I've changed their life, but honestly, it's not even possible for me to change anybody's life but my own. (laughs) But um, I appreciate participating in you changing your life and supporting you in doing that. It truly is my answer prayer to be able to do that, to be truly helpful. And one of the things you can know is 
the Power of Love Ministry, which I founded and and uh, am the leader of, uh, we are expanding, and it's it's a process. You lay a foundation of vision, intention, and goals and clarity, and you allow spirit to lead and guide. And uh, so the the guidance for me is to. Uh, expand the ministry into not just teaching classes, but training people who would like to teach their own classes and to minister and be counselors. So that expansion is underway. It will be evolving, and I, I know I'll be sharing that with you. So if any of you are interested in becoming a spiritual counselor, becoming a spiritual teacher, or a minister, uh, or even uh, what the term practitioner. Practitioner is someone uh, in my training as a spiritual uh, practitioner from the agape community. Practitioner is one who is holding that space of consciousness for for everyone, and uh, it's a sacred, sacred. Uh, thing to do and uh, I became a practitioner in year 2000 I became a minister in 2006 and some people are not interested in being a minister but they would really like to refine their mind and be a practitioner others would like to be a spiritual counselor and and to help people that way so this is what we're expanding into and we have a spiritual counseling training uh, next month. I, I will have more of them, but next month we're having the intensive. And the Year of Masterful Living is the foundation for my spiritual counseling training. So uh, you can know that as well. And Just uh, listening to something here. And you can certainly ask me questions about any of that. Um... And uh, we've got some people who wrote in questions already, so I'm going to begin with that. Uh, Sarah writes in, Dear Jennifer, first I would like to thank you for a wonderful Masterful Living class. You are wonderful. <clears throat> Second, I have a question that has been lingering in my mind for quite some time, now even before I attended this class. Maybe this is not an easy question to answer, but I would love to hear your view on that. You, together with many other spiritual teachers, are talking about the forgetfulness that comes with this dimension. And I do resonate with having to remember my true identity. But what I don't understand is, why do we choose to incarnate in the world of forgetfulness in order to remember something that we already know? I know about karma and all that, but still, what is the purpose 
coming to a world of forgetfulness for the purpose to remember that I am God in action. If I will remember that anyway when I die and go back to the dimension I came from, what can I learn in 3D that I cannot learn anywhere else? I don't understand the concept of forgetting if we are to go home anyway after we die. So what we don't know now, we will know when we die and cross over. Are these topics that you cover in Masterful Living classes in second and third year? So, uh, yes, we we do uh, go further and further into the mystical uh, in the second and third year. And also I have a fourth track of Masterful Living that's called Ascension Pathway for those who are committed to uh, awakening and are interested in, in the studies with the Ascended Masters. And so I think it's a beautiful, a powerful question. And I did ask this question with Venerable last week. And uh, so you can listen to her answer. And because Sarah had sent this question in earlier. And so uh, in contemplating this, knowing that uh, I would answer the question today, uh, what came into my awareness was uh, doing puzzles. So one of the things I, I like to do occasionally is do puzzles, uh, big uh, puzzles, you know, with the little pieces. And uh, what are those called? I guess it's just called puzzles, picture puzzles. And uh, I'm here in the house in Maine in the summertime, we get out a big card table and uh, we'll put a big puzzle on it and we'll work on it. Uh, my sister and I, sister-in-law and I and my niece, the three of us, we seem to be the ones who like to do it. And we'll work on it together and talk while we work on it. And uh, it's fun. And then when we put it all, finish putting it all together, we don't spend much time looking at it because that's not what it's about. It's about the experience of putting it together. And sometimes we'll put together a puzzle that we've put together before. So it's uh, pleasurable to figure it out. And uh, it's a challenge to the mind to focus and see things in the little pieces and put them together. Same thing, we, we love to play board games. And we'll play the same board game sometimes several nights in a row. And we play it differently every time. And lifetime after lifetime, there is this experience, this cumulative experience that we're having, trying all these different permutations of choices, which we wouldn't do if we didn't have that sense of the veil of forgetfulness. If we were having our fifth dimensional awareness, it wouldn't be the same experience. 
so the the challenge of forgetting is in a sense it's its own experience that brings a creativity and a, a, a personal individualized expression that we couldn't get in any other way. So we've made the journey to have this experience by our own free will choice because in the same way that people play a video game or uh, play any kind of a game or an adventure that it's about the journey and what choices will we make and in other worlds other dimensions we we can't have the feelings of challenge and difficulty and even pain and suffering and despair and the celebrations of ecstasy and all the different things that we can experience on this earth. So we come here for that intensity of experience as well as the subtlety of the pleasure. We come here for the experience of that forgetting. And also along the way, my understanding, my belief is that my and my 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 own personal research has shown me that we in this journey we the collective decided to experience this karmic experiment and uh we got so far down the rabbit hole of karma that it, we were really suffering so then we decided to cut ourselves off in our heart so we wouldn't feel the pain as much. So then we have the experience of feeling our heart cut off. And then how do we get back to the heart and mind opening from that place of feeling so cut off? So it became this really, I think, unanticipated, long, strange trip, journey, back home so why did the prodigal son leave home squander his inheritance only to discover the value of his family and his home and go back home again why do that because we are adventurers and we are eternal and this is something that I strongly invite every person in this class to consciously contemplate in depth. Really take this into your practice of contemplation. I, I really got this very strongly for us at this particular time. To make time to set aside an hour to write and journal on this topic, which is what would you be doing differently in your life right now if you knew that you were eternal? 
what would you be doing in your life differently if you knew that you were eternal? If you weren't bound by time and space, what would you do differently if you knew you were eternal? So I'm inviting you to contemplate that and to share in the Facebook group what what you discover. feels very valuable and important. So we have another, uh, something that's written in here. Cheryl wrote in, Hello, thank you all, Masterful Living students and our beloved teacher who courageously share and show compassion in the calls and Facebook. I'm honored to be on this journey with you. My question is, my 13-year-old son feels the same exact way as I did towards my step-parents. I have a boyfriend. We are not living together, though he has been a part of our lives for three years. My son's father died when he was two, and I did not start dating until about four years ago. He feels that my boyfriend does not approve of him. In fact, he said he felt like he hated him. I was immediately brought back to my childhood and how I felt with my stepfather, and I've done much healing with this part of my past. I think it is interesting that all I have done to break this pattern has arisen even though I felt I'd completely healed this part of my childhood and broken the pattern. Yes. Yep, it's, it is interesting. And it's also a very common experience now. Uh, so the thing that concerns me is that your son feels that the boyfriend hates him. I'm not sure if you're saying that your son hates your boyfriend or your boyfriend hates your son, the feeling. Uh, But either way, that would definitely be a strong concern. And just feeling this so there's no the, there's not really a question in here but uh my if it were me Cheryl I would be doing ho'oponopono which is the teaching that's in the book zero limits which I re- recommended a, a a few weeks ago which we will be talking about and uh, many people have started to read it already, and I encourage folks to to read that book. Or I, I love to listen to the audio book of it. That's my preference. So, so people have told me they've been listening to the audio book of it. And to do a divine experiment, absolutely. And to know that what's what's happening here is karma is being healed. 
And so it's your karma, your boyfriend's karma, and your son's karma. And so to hold in your mind that the healing is happening and not to doubt it. That's your work. And to not judge. And to not project your fears into the situation. But to hold the space of healing. And so my sense is that's why it's happening to you, Cheryl. And uh, these things are super challenging. There's To me, there's nothing more challenging than the challenges in the family, in the relationships it, with our loved ones. Although uh, there are times when uh, I witness people struggling with challenges with their body and that seems very intense as well. So we we have a curriculum that's perfectly designed for us and that's why it's so challenging because it's perfectly designed for us to liberate our mind through the challenges. So if anybody has any uh, other questions or anything that they'd like to share, uh, now's a great time to do that. Star 2 to raise your hand if you'd like to share anything. And I especially invite folks who have uh, we haven't heard from this year to uh, share or ask a question. And uh, one of the things that uh, uh, has come up in the uh, community calls, which again, I've just been so beautiful. Uh, one of the things that's come up about uh, is parenting through the, talking about the relationship classes that we've had. And there's a wonderful prayer, if you will, uh, in A Course in Miracles. It's also in your Course in Miracles prayer section in your workbooks. It's on page 90 of the text. And I'm just pulling it here. It's, uh, it's the end of, very, very end of chapter 5, where it says, that it's talking about making the decision to live a miraculous life and to have a healing. And it says, actually, it's, I'm going to start with uh, paragraph 5. It's section 7, chapter 5. Paragraph 5. Whenever you are not wholly joyous, it is because you have reacted with a lack of love to one of God's creations. Perceiving this as sin, you become defensive because you expect attack. Remember, the attacker always feels attacked. So when you're not when you're reacted to someone with judgment, with complaints and criticism, then there is uh, 
the joy is gone out of our life. So then because we have been attacking, we expect attack. And it says the decision to react in this way is yours and can therefore be undone. It cannot be undone by repentance in the usual sense because this implies guilt. If you allow yourself to feel guilty, you will reinforce the error rather than allow it to be undone for you. Decision cannot be difficult. This is obvious if you realize that you must already have decided not to be wholly joyous, if that is how you feel. So if you don't feel joyous, it's because you decided not to feel joyous. Therefore, the first step in the undoing is to recognize that you actively decided wrongly, but can as actively decide otherwise. So just recognizing, taking responsibility. Oh, I decided wrongly. I decided to be unloving. And I had the power to decide to be unloving. I can now decide to be loving. So we can just start with being loving with ourselves and not allowing ourselves to go into guilt and blame and shame and all of that. It says, be very firm with yourself in this and keep yourself fully aware that the undoing process, which does not come from you, is nevertheless within you because God placed it there. Your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. So, while you made the decision to be unloving, the undoing and how to undo the consequences and the results and the experience that is the result of your reaction of its unkind, unloving, judgmental, critical, whatever it was. All the undoing, Holy Spirit's going to do it for you. So your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement and peace. So you take your mind and you bring it to your decision point. So you're cultivating the awareness of when you decided to be unloving. So your awareness expands to see, ah, I'm the one who decided. So my upset, the guilt, the blame, the shame, all that stuff that's going on, it's all what the byproduct of my choice. So I made that choice. Ah, now I can make another choice. So it says here then, say this to yourself as sincerely as you can, remembering that the Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. I love that. The Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. So here's what you say. Five lines. I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, 
but I can also decide otherwise. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. Now, that is a get-out-of-jail-free card. I don't know if you're all familiar with the game Monopoly, but uh, I I grew up playing Monopoly. I still play Monopoly with my, my nephew. And uh, Monopoly was my favorite game when I was a kid. Just loved it. And that get-out-of-jail-free card was always great when you got one of those. And that's what this prayer is. It's our get-out-of-jail-free card. So for all the parents, particularly, who feel guilty about anything to do with their children, work with that prayer every day. That's why it's in your workbook. It's one of the Course of Miracles prayers. And you can just, you can shorthand it. You can say, I must have decided wrongly. And now I'm deciding to let the Holy Spirit undo all the consequences of my wrong decision. I'm deciding for love now. And I know that's the right decision. So I don't have to feel guilty or ashamed or angry or upset. I'm choosing love now. So anyone who was talking about, or anybody who would like to uh, discuss this, we can do that now. All right. Uh, Anand is raising his hand. Hey there. Hello. Hi. Hi. There you are. Um, I raised my hand because I've done this prayer many times, and um, I, I feel like, in my mind, I feel like I've thought so many unloving things so many times that I can't really go to a place of peace, and I feel almost unredeemable. At this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that isn't really true because I know in the course it says, like, it says that your your case against yourself may be foolproof, but it is not God-proof. Yeah. But I keep I keep on turning back to illusion instead of truth. And anyway, my, my question was how – I guess you just do it by repeating it, but um, – how do you maintain your focus when you know you've thought incorrectly so many times that you don't know where it was that you chose unjoyously? Because you just have been so used to being in an unjoyous place for so long. Yeah, yeah. It definitely becomes a habit. There's no question of that. Definitely mm. becomes a habit. And, you know, uh, 
you'll remember me speaking about this recently where we can become attached to the feeling of sadness, despair, uh, rejection. It could be any number of feelings because it's so familiar to us. It feels like that's where, that's what home feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's something to consider. Yep. And so that's why I talk about interrupting the pattern by when we notice that we're feeling that familiar kind of upset, whatever kind it is, uh, any, you know, it could be anything. People have all different kinds. Uh, and the, you start to move into uh, agreeing with it, resonating with it, and uh, spiraling downward. Then it's about interrupting. Whoa! Sorry. All of a sudden, the the whole system became. Uh, everybody became unmuted all at once. Sorry about that. Uh, and one thing, I, you know, there was so much noise there when everybody became unmuted. Just something for you to consider. It's. It definitely makes for a um, more powerful class if people are more focused and not uh, multitasking if you don't have to. So just mentioning that again. But um, so we start to spiral downward and partly because it just feels so familiar. And we, I know for myself, I used to think, I have to ride this train to the end. And that's how I started to realize, okay, I can get off the pain train. I can get off the pain train as soon as I realized I stepped onto it. Or I can watch the pain train, or I can observe, rather, the pain train pulling into the station of my mind and say, yeah, I'm not getting on that train. So we're training ourselves not to get on the train. And... uh or to get off the train as soon as we realize we're on it. So that's the um, what to do in case of freak out or meltdown. That's those steps that are in your workbook. And uh, I, I know they're very helpful if we can actually engage those steps. And they're simple. They're, anyone can do them. Uh, and our willingness is really all that is required for our healing and our awakening. So it's also that way of interrupting the pattern is to say, as soon as you recognize the pattern is attractive, it's been triggered, uh, to say, I'm I'm truly not interested in this anymore. So we can say this prayer on page 90, but what it's talking about is to make the decision. So what it says is, uh, I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. Now, 
look, I, I don't want to quibble with Jesus, but there's a difference between wanting to decide otherwise and actually deciding. And so it's not enough to just say the prayer. Yet it's about putting your heart into it and saying, I am deciding otherwise. I, and I have found, Anand, it's very valuable that when there's fear, when there's sadness, when there's anger and resentment, hurt, and blame and shame and all that stuff uh, coming up for healing, to take the emotion that is being generated and to channel it in a healing way. So to be able to say it with emotion, uh, you know, I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I am willing to be at peace. I am deciding to be at peace. And I don't need to feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I let him and I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. So you see, at the very end there, it's I am allowing. I'm allowing it. I'm saying yes. Holy Spirit, do it. Do it. Undo all the consequences. I made the decision not to be at peace. I don't know when I made it. You, and it's fine. I mean, the invitation here is to take yourself back to that moment so you recognize it. You start training yourself so that the next time when the same type of moment arises, your mind goes, oh, this is where the wrong decision is becoming tempting. And so I, I can realize, oh, yeah, last time I made the wrong decision, I backtracked went to the Holy Spirit and said, okay, let's undo all the consequences of the wrongdoing. But here I am again at the same kind of moment. I can make a different decision this time. I can make the right decision this time. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Oh, wait a second. Let me unmute you. Sorry about that. Okay, no problem. Um, can you hear me now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how do I reestablish my connection with the Holy Spirit? Because I feel like I'm out here by myself, and I feel kind of like I'm trying to talk to God or I'm trying to talk to the Holy Spirit. I don't know what I'm trying to do mentally, but I know that the ego is answering because it's coming back really harsh and all full of full of a lot of mistaken thoughts. And so I, I I was wondering if you had anything to say about how I can feel like I'm connected to the Holy Spirit or how I can reestablish my connection with the Holy Spirit, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. So it's, I think it's valuable, Anand, to rather than think about it as uh, reconnecting to the Holy Spirit um, or establishing, reestablishing the connection. It's we're surrendering the blocks to love. Rather, you know, because 
it's our surrender of the blocks to love that allows us to experience the connection that's always there. And so it's the things that we hold in our mind, the unloving thoughts that we hold in our mind that disconnect us from the flow of love. And so it's about, do you remember the part earlier in the year where I talked about the 10,000 things? The 10,000 things. I'm sorry, I don't remember. So I talked about if uh, sharing that I I realized that I had about, on an average day, 10,000 negative things come up into my mind. 10,000 opinions, 10,000 judgments, 10,000 blocks to love, literally. Mm -hmm. Because uh, there was one about every six or seven seconds, whatever. And so, I mean, that's it was just constant, just constant mm -hmm. flow. You know, and then there were many times when it was just... Well, anyway, so I just I just picked a number, 10,000, mm -hmm. and uh, I said, okay, let's look at this realistically. If I or when I sincerely am no longer interested in that judgment, then okay. the Holy Spirit can remove it from my mind. So... If I'm holding on to the judgment, if I value the judgment, the Holy Spirit can't take it from my mind because I value I mean, it. The Holy Spirit really, cannot. Yeah. That really what? hits the spot here, yeah, because there's yeah. something going on where I'm valuing the judgments. I, yeah, I never thought of course. that before. There's some, there's some part of me that's actually holding on to the judgment, even though I'm trying to be non-judgmental or trying to change the judgment into something else and trying to change what's unloving into something loving, I'm still holding on to some sort of judgment. And right. I have to figure out a way, or I have to allow myself to release that judgment and that opinion. And I don't know, that's what I don't know how to do. And that's what you're helping me with. Yeah, so the great thing is you actually don't have to figure out how to let go of the judgment. It really, the only thing that's required is the willingness to let it go. So that's why I talk about <clears throat> saying, I'm not interested in this thought anymore. It has no value for me anymore. I'm done with it. I'm complete. Holy Spirit, please take it out of my mind so I never think it again. And let anyone else who has this thought have a healing also. Okay, great. And as soon as you really mean it, mm -hmm. then the thought can be removed from your mind. But it's just like if you were, you know, if, we, if you and I were sitting here, we were all sitting here together in the same room, and Anon, you, if you had a um, something in your hand, like a, a cup in your hand, and you said, you know, this cup that is filled with this hot tea and it's burning me it's burning me please take it away from me it's burning me 
you help me get rid of it. And I go over and I say, okay, give it to me. I'll take it from you. And you're like, no, no, no. I just, I, I, what? I, I, the tea is burning me. It's burning me. Make it stop. Make it stop. And I say, okay, give it to me. And then it won't be burning you anymore. And you're like, no, no, no. I, I, I just, the tea is burning me. It's burning me. Let go of the tea. <laughs> yeah, it's like, honey, you just got to let go of it. You've got to decide you don't want to hold it anymore. Right. No yeah. one can decide that for you. That yeah, decision I think, I is yours alone. I think I've dropped the judgment a lot, and I think that it comes back again, and I drop it. Right. And then I'm, I think it's going away. Yeah, I feel better. I'm feeling definitely better. Um, I just got to keep practicing, and I think that's really what the – the key is that just to keep practice. Sometimes I feel like I just can't let go of the judgment or it keeps coming back, but I'll try this thing. I'm not interested in this thought anymore. And I'll re-listen to this class so that I can write that down. Um, yeah. You know what? It's really about this. It's about cultivating the sincerity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I learned. And so I, I did a whole class on this. And I forget which uh, week it was now, uh, but maybe somebody can post that in the Facebook group. But uh, it's it, this work requires our sincerity. So what I discovered was I I found myself in an intense amount of judgment. Uh, about a man I was in relationship with and I I just couldn't seem to drop it and I felt tortured by it and anytime I've ever been had lots of judgment and couldn't drop it it's torturous it's it's hell there's no question of that we all are familiar with that and we're all way more familiar with it than we would ever like to even think about and so I asked the same question that you're asking which is how do I stop this how the heck do I get off this hamster wheel this pain train and so this is what the Holy Spirit taught me the higher self the I am presence my guides and angels the company of heaven however you want to describe it uh, this is what I was taught was to say, I'm not interested in this anymore. Uh, I'm a creature of love and light, and that's all I'm interested in. Please take this thought out of my mind so I never think it again. I'm done with it, and let everyone else who thinks this thought have a healing as well. And so I, I would do that, sometimes lying on my floor, completely uh, declaring my willingness by lying on the floor, total surrender, abject surrender saying please take this thought out of my mind and then I would you know tears running down my face and then I would feel complete and I would get up and I wouldn't even walk two steps and the thought would come back into my mind the judgment the complaint the condemnation and I, and when that first, when I was first journeying with this kind of ex- 
experience, I would feel deflated. Like, oh my God, I can't even hold to it for five seconds. What is wrong with me? Is how I would feel. And then my the guides and angels would say, no, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just you're still interested in that thought. It still has value for you. What do you think the value is? Do you really need that thought? And so I I just would keep handing it over. I made the commitment. I'm going to hand it over every time I consciously recognize I'm thinking of it. And so I hand it over, hand it over, hand it over, hand it over. And what I realized, Anand, is if I could surrender it sincerely, then it would be gone forever. It really would be gone. And the temptation to think it again just would disappear. It would dissipate. So I realized I'm just going to keep doing this until I'm really sincere. And so I I realized if I could if I started with 10,000 negative thoughts and I could hand over 10 of them a day, mm-hmm. then in three years, I would have completely healed myself of all 10,000. Because 10 a day for three years, it, you can get the 10,000 done. And when I realized that, I said, you know what? I can do a three-year plan. I could definitely do a three-year plan. That feels so doable to me. And right. then I was inspired not to give yeah. up and to keep going. Yeah, I think that for me it's just going to be it's a matter of sticking to one tool and yep. using the heck out of it because um I switch around a lot or sometimes I just put everything away. I don't want to look at anything. I don't want to do anything. And so I just, I've been doing it for a long time and it's just starting to get frustrating. But um, I feel like I'm there already. I feel like I've made so many strides. I feel like I've done so many things. Mm-hmm. But, but um, and I, I feel like I've, I've like, I just, I just got to keep at it. I, I, I just got to keep at it and not give up. And, um, that's right. Pretty it's much. about consistently interrupting the pattern because that's how you demonstrate that you truly, sincerely are not interested anymore. Right. So that, right. as soon as the thought would start to come into my mind, I would feel my peace disturbed and I would go, nope, 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 not happening, not going there now. Change the tune. So you change the tune to, okay, what am I interested in instead of that? I'm interested in love. I'm interested in peace and joy. I'm interested in having a nice lunch. I'm interested in hearing the bird songs. I'm interested in thinking about how sweet my nephew is. I'm interested in remembering how much I like popcorn. I'm in, you know, and just change the tune. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. You know, because the old way is the sad you know, the sad song comes on the radio, and I'm going to sing along. No, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. No, I've been doing a lot of this stuff. I've been doing it. I've been trying to sing happy songs to myself. I'll sing Christmas songs in my head. 
I'll make up songs. I'll go on my keyboard and make up a song. I'll go listen to the birds outside. I'll feed the birds. I'll feed, I'll walk my dog. But then there are times when I just, I don't do all that stuff. And so, you know, I think there's some energy in judgment. There's some energy in argument. There's some energy in fighting. And I think that I get energy out of that a little bit. And I don't know how to make the full shift where I'm no longer getting energy out of conflict, but more or less getting energy out of love or being a loving energy rather than a conflicting energy. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. There you go. Thanks for Thank you, Jennifer. You are welcome, Anand. We've got Barbara r- raising her hand here. Hey, Barbara. Hi, Jennifer. Wow. Um, it's so perfect that this is our theme now is trust and faith. Mm-hmm. Is that where we are? Okay. Yep, we start that next week. Okay. Well, I just feel like after all, I feel like this whole lifetime, if not others, that I've been on my spiritual quest and all the things you talk about and all the things um, as far as turning it over and, you know, to to our high Holy Spirit and God. But I, and I know I've shared with the group, I was going through once more, you know, crashing down and lack and fear and survival and also, I've kind of covered the gamut in the last month. Um, also got shingles. Oh, my God. And so that's been quite a challenge physically. Oh, my God. And then relationships like letting go and letting my children, just knowing that they're on the journey they need to be and be loving and, you know, let go that I don't have control over it, you know. And so the key that happened, Jennifer, is is when I was really down to the depths of all of it, was this voice inside of me said, you have to solidify before you're going to really let yourself turn this over, really surrender, you've got to solidify your faith in what you're turning it over to. I mean, is it, a, is it just a concept that there's a loving God and that everything we go through is in, in the highest perfect order? We're going through things so that we can see maybe the duality of it. Maybe, you know, if you're in such pain, then you appreciate joy, whatever we're going through in this existence. Um, but to do you trust? Do you, what is your faith? What do you believe God is? What do you believe your high Holy Spirit is? And do you believe that only it's only of love? If you turn it over, it is surrendering it to to clear it's surrendering you figuring out how to survive in your life you figuring out what the heck is my body doing you know is it going to be this and that you're surrendering over that your children everything is in divine order um and and can you turn it over like you know that exercise where you stand up and you've got your back to the group and they're lined up and you fall back and they're going to catch you? Mm-hmm. That's what I experienced, Jennifer, is that it was it was that question to me. How many times have you been shown when you let go? How many times has there been divine interventions? How many times have you been shown that it is the angels surround you? How many times does it you are always taken care of? 
And that's what I just want to share is that I just brought all those times back and I just let it fill me with such reaffirming, such reassurance that I don't have to figure all this out. You know, I just, I can just turn it over and ask to be shown and then trusting it enough that I do have to participate. My part is is then to be open to receive. Or now that you've turned over what you don't want to continue, what you're done with, now you turn over the openness, the, the pure openness and willingness to be shown shown what's your next step towards your freedom, towards your love, towards everything. Mm-hmm. So to me, I just wanted to share that tonight because um, to me it was it was such it, it seemed to be the key. I've had the key. You've been giving us lots of keys, mm-hmm. you know, and my and my soul knew it, and every part, you know. But to, but we're still. My experience is, it's almost like I, I'm getting it now that you know we've been so programmed differently in the separation and in the loneliness and in the life's a struggle and you know, and this and this and that, that we can't even try to send into our own brain all the time to reprogram because it's, it's really kind of been very solidly conditioned in us. So that to me also, thank you, it, it, it makes sense that that's what we're turning over because I don't even, when you say, I don't even know what this is about. I, I've analyzed it 50 million times, but I don't know how to solve it. Right, I'm going to turn it over and ask. Mm. So, I just wanted to say to Anon again. I, I, I've been on a community call and heard you, Anon. I just want to say, if that if that helped at all, you touch my heart so deeply all the time. And what I feel from you, you get on these calls. You're doing such hard work. You are really in the, in the depths. And I just feel your high Holy Spirit, Anand. I feel it. It is absolutely going, yeah, we chose a hard road this life, but it's because you're going to get it. You're going to get it so profoundly. And that's kind of what I came to, too, Jennifer. If I chose, I chose, we all did. We're all going in the trenches right now. Mm-hmm. But the, the gifts on the other side. Oh, my God, bringing more compassion than I've ever felt. More... Um, appreciation, more joy, more when you feel love, you really feel it. You know, and then when I have, like, something happen with my money, guess what? When I let it go, I really, really, really 100%. Guess what? I'm fine. It's all it's all fine. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to share that. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Wonderful. My pleasure. Yeah. All right. So uh, we've got some time left here. If anybody else would like to share or ask a question. And uh, 
another thing that came up in um, a recent community call was talking about masculine and feminine power. So I would like to share my own understanding of masculine and feminine power. And so, and we all have our masculine essence and our feminine essence. And for some of us, we're far more feminine than we are masculine. So for me, I used to live very much in my masculine and now I live much more in my feminine and I feel like a very feminine person. Uh, And it doesn't really have anything to do with sexuality. We've all probably known men who were uh, much more feminine than uh, some women and we've all known women who were much more masculine than some men. And uh, I've known couples who uh, the woman was uh, the the more masculine one and the more aggressive one and uh, the earning the the money and the man was more of the caretaker and the homemaker and gentler and it just it really doesn't have anything to do with our sexuality and it doesn't have to do with sexuality in terms of sexual preference or sexual orientation either so uh but masculine and feminine are divine principles mother father god and the feminine is the more the uh one who has the vision and then magnetizes or attracts in receives the fulfillment of it and the masculine is more having division and then moving into action to bring it forth and you can just look at the masculine male body and the male is more the giver and the masculine is more about giving And the feminine is more about receiving. And you can see that reflected in our physical bodies. So masculine power is not about controlling. That's ego. It's really got nothing to do with the masculine being controlling. It's uh, one of the things that's happened is there's uh when we're as a collective shutting down our hearts and disconnecting from our god self the one of the ways that we did that was to disconnect from our the love and which is the mother god aspect and the father god aspect is divine will divine will so when divine will and divine love combine they give birth to the divine child which is the Christ and so 
the masculine aspect of God is the alignment with divine will. The feminine aspect of God is divine love. Now, of course, the masculine is love also because love is all there is. Everything is an expression of love. And divine will is the only will there is. So it's all will, whether we're male or female, masculine or feminine. So when we align with divine will, then we are more in integrity with ourselves, our true self. Same with when we're in alignment with divine love, we're more in alignment with our true self. So our true self is both masculine and feminine. And the power comes from aligning with love, with a divine will. And I love that A Course in Miracles says, divine will is the only will there is. There is no other will. But in our human experience, there is an illusion of a separate will. And that's what our experience is about, is what would you do if you believed you had a separate will? What would you do? What would you decide? If it doesn't make you happy, you can give it back and all the consequences to the Holy Spirit and learn from it. It's very, it's it's actually an, an amazing and spectacular System and we've just gone so far down the rabbit hole, but now we're we're coming right up out of it, super fast. The dark ages are long gone. Yes, one thing that uh, I know when uh, we were coming to the 2012 time frame, which years ago now. And all the talk about the Mayan calendar uh, was happening. Uh, Something someone said to me that I I felt really true to me was that the days and the nights in the Mayan calendar were, or uh, were, um, used to be like a hundred years could be a night, a hundred years could be a day. So, if, and if you just look at the Dark Ages and then the Renaissance, well, that kind of makes sense. And that the days and the nights in in that calendar were shortening and shortening, and coming up to at the um, December the twelve 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 gateway that. Uh, the, 20th of December, two two different events there in 2012. But coming to that end of the Mayan calendar where the days and the nights matched up with what we saw in the physical world of an actual day and a night. And so now we're in the next uh, 
sequence and uh, sorry just got an interruption there and uh, so this feeling that many of us have the time is speeding up time isn't speeding up more light is coming into the third dimension and so our vibration our frequency is quickening and so we're experiencing things in that quickening so again I'd like to go back to ask you please to truly contemplate what would you do differently in your life now if you knew that you were eternal that there's no time limit for you you're eternal uh, and I, I look forward to hearing what comes up for all of you so there we are and I am going to say a prayer and play a song and I'm excited about that and then next week we start our trust and faith we've got our one-on-ones happening and if you haven't been able to schedule one more times will be opening up fear not I will uh, if you're if you're interested in having that one-on-one we will find the time in the weeks to come and I so look forward to it and I, I there's you can still join me in the spiritual counseling intensive there's still some space available and also for um, I know we have a lot of year two three in Ascension pathway people listening to this class We've got the uh, advanced masterful living student retreat for people who've done year two and uh, beyond or in year two and beyond and um, then we have the stop playing small retreat so everyone who's coming to those events in North Carolina next month I know we're going to have a wonderful time and uh, just a reminder too if you would really like to come you'd like a payment plan I will do we'll do everything we can to support you in doing that work and coming to uh, join us so I invite you to place your hand on your heart once again and we are grateful and thankful that our life is the life of God and our mind is the mind of God and our heart is the heart of God our hand our very hand is the hand of God we're grateful and thankful that God is closer than our hands and feet it is our very nature we are one with the infinite we are grateful and thankful to know the love of God is all that we are all that we ever will be the love of God is everyone we meet and we are grateful to recognize our brothers and sisters in Christ grateful and thankful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self to recognize and remember 
Our true identity is infinite, eternal love, unbreakable, unhurtable, and knowable. So we are grateful and thankful to recognize that we are remembering the truth that sets us free. In gratitude, we go forth and multiply the consciousness of the all good. We give thanks that we can share and we do share the benefits of our healing, our expansion, our clarity, our freedom with everyone because we're one with them. So grateful and so thankful to claim our good. In gratitude, we allow the healing to be, we accept it as done, and we give thanks. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And the song I'm going to play today, someone posted in uh, the Facebook group. I forget who it was right now. But it's a great song. I just love it. It's called Beautiful Day by Jamie Grace. Beautiful Day by Jamie Grace. God bless you. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. and smile cause it's been a while it's been like a whole day since I stopped so you could hold me this child away strong in the face Lord you are the refuge that I can't wait to get to cause I can't let it Drop, drop down, turn it up, I'm ready to fly And ooh.